Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. What's up? What's up with you? Well, uh... All right, are we... No, I, I just okay. wanted to sing right. it to you. All right. yeah, well, I wanted you, to sing you, it to I you. Liked, I like that you sing. Uh, that, that is but nice. Because you've been rather abusive today. Oh, you've I have been a not little, been. You've how been have a I little, been abusive? You've been a little abusive, a little aggro. Okay, you know why? You deserved it for how horrible you were at Canasta Day. First of all, I made one... Uh, one big mistake. One mistake with one, one card. big mistake. Well, one mistake. Actually, And twice. you could have froze that thing a long time ago. No, yeah. you made... Nobody cares. You, nobody nobody you even knows how to play Canasta. I know, but I'm just... Yeah, old men do. but And us. You made a big mistake. Okay, I made one misplayed on one thing. And because of that, what happened? We uh, lost. We weren't able to play to our fullest uh, potential. Either way, we lost because of you. I don't you. know that we lost. I feel like... No, actually... I the, feel like we... No, the score we just, shows that we uh, lost. Yeah, but that's not the focus. The, the point is... All right, we, little snowflake. We could have done better. Like we all got a participation Nobody ribbon? really loses in life, Jimmy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, no. People do lose. <laughs> people lose. Yeah, especially when I misplay in Canasta. Yep. So, thanks. Appreciate that. What's been going on with you? Uh, I'm excited for the podcast. I'm pumped. You know why? Uh, because you and I are here together and, and we are going through this, uh, pastoral care. And so we're going to kind of jump right into no, that, no, discuss no. it no, we're and, not. Nope. and nope. kind of go nope. with Cause what? somebody, cause somebody's back. Oh, well, can we guess who's back? Uh, guess who's back? Back again. Patrick's back. Oh, tell your friend. He's here. He's here. Pastor Pat's in the house. Hey, what's up, Pastor Pat? Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Oh. All right, that's enough. You can go now. Yeah, okay. Uh, Sweet. <laughs> I love getting the easy jobs. There you go. Man, we, uh, uh, Pat's, one of our, uh, Pat's one of our closest friends, and uh, we get to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love Pat. And we were thinking, like, let's cover pastoral care, and we knew, obviously, we need... Obviously. Obs. Obviously. Obs. Oh. We need Pastor Pat. That's right. All right. So uh, we're going to be talking about pastoral care. But before we even um, jump in, we, we probably should clarify what we mean. Well, how about this? Care. Before we get to that, why don't we have him introduce himself? Because maybe some listeners have came in and haven't listened through all the episodes. Maybe and some they, listeners have came in. Yeah. Like they came I, in so that you, to the podcast. You need to go learn some some English. No, okay? no, no, no. A... Listen, my pappy spoke me how to teach. Oh, okay. And so I'm telling you now, some people may have came and found the you're podcast right, right. midway. And you're they don't right. know who. I, I you're know right. I'm right. You're Just right. like I was at Canasta. Continue. Okay. <laughs> Pat, who are you? My name is Pat Aldrich. All right. Sounds uh, good. I, and so, <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm community life pastor here at Redeemer Fellowship, and I get to babysit Joe and Jimmy on a that's, regular uh, basis. That's really that's true. Pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's definitely true. Pat and I have known each other since like 1991, I think, something like that. Yep. And uh, we became friends then. And then, uh, Pat, you went to uh, Multnomah Bible College? Mm-hmm. Correct. Because Moody wouldn't take you. And then, uh, wow. what? Did I just. Wow. What? I didn't, that didn't happen. There's nothing wrong with your school. <laughs> <laughs> Multnomah is awesome. Yeah. Multnomah, wrong. they're less dispensational, I think. I mean, I don't know how much, but I think they're less dispensational. All right, but so, okay, you went. You went they to were school. at the time. Were they dispensational? Mm-hmm. So Pat went to Multnomah, and then uh, Pat and his wife, Cheryl, who is awesome, they moved back uh, to the area here to uh, plant a church with. Uh, myself and my wife and Rob Warford and his wife. And so Pat and I have been doing ministry together for a, since 2000. Long time. Yeah, Long. Man. 17 wow. years. 17 years, Pat. And so what have you been, like, as far as ministry goes, can you share kind of those various roles that you've, uh, that you've kind of handled mm-hmm. at the church plant, but even here at Redeemer, just so people have, get a good idea of why we felt like this episode is, it, it's needed with you. So in 2000, when we moved back to help plant Grace, um, 
I approached Joe and basically told him like I want to develop the children's ministry. I I've always felt, you know, getting through college that like that was my my calling. Um, and so started doing that, and and as the, as God was you know using me there, and ministry was fruitful. Just kind of branched out into family ministry. Um, when as Redeemer was coming around, it was. Um, the youth were involved in that calling as well. Mm-hmm. And when I came on staff full time, um, it went from <laughs> dump truck. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> just unloaded on Pat. Oh, yeah. full time. Okay. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So basically, now as community life pastor, I oversee community groups, discipleship groups, children's ministry, youth ministry, all our smaller gatherings. Yeah. Um, but a big piece of what you do is pastoral care. A big piece of what you do is is meeting with people, mentoring people, doing Bible studies one on one with people, counseling, marriage counseling, individual, yeah, marriage counseling, pre marriage counseling, all kinds of counseling, post marriage counseling for when uh, they all fall apart, for when they all fall apart. Oh yeah, all, 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 all means all, all means just all. Just ask, ask Leighton. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as as I was coming on full time. The job description that I thought I was going to have got expanded exponentially, and um, now it's, you know, everything that Joe doesn't want to do. Mm. Joe so says Joe says that it's everything that he can't do, but which is in even reality, more. which is even more. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's things that Joe does that we all know he can't do and shouldn't do. Yeah, I remember when we were planting our first church, Grace Grace Baptist Church, because uh, that's what you call a Calvinistic Baptist Church, mm, Grace. Um, so, uh, Doctrines of Grace Baptist Church. And, uh, hey, Pat, you want to silence your phone? This is our time. This is our time. You're with okay. us. Okay. So, I remember uh, we, we had to have guys take on certain roles and responsibilities. And so, uh, we had uh, one guy, Rob Warford, uh, take over our worship leading and all of that. And Pat took over children. And yeah. it was uh, not alone, of course. You and your wife worked together and you raised up people and all that. But, man, uh, it was dynamite. I was so excited. And I love what we see happening here at Redeemer. But... One of the things that we really believe in is pastoral care for yeah. all of our pastors. So when we talk about pastoral care, what really do we mean? How would you guys explain that to someone who who's wants to know, well, how, what, what, is, what is this idea? Um, basically, it's, it's caring for the members' spiritual health and growth. Right. So there is a personal aspect of investment of of relationship there that um, that really does matter and this is one of those issues that is really important to the elder team here at Redeemer. Yeah. Um, pastoral care is a high high priority. It doesn't mean that we always do a great job. It doesn't mean that we don't that drop we're perfect the ball. at it or anything. Right. Yeah. Well, definitely not. And I, I but but we we want that to be what we're um, known yeah. uh, known for. We want that to be a major emphasis. And and we try to convey that to people quite often of we want, we love you. Like we right. care for you that you're not just a, a giving unit, uh, of the church, right? Like you right. are a valued member of this family. Once you become a giving unit, you once become you become a, value a giving unit, unit. <laughs> your value goes up that's right. <laughs> exponentially. And, and, and that's why our, all the elders emails are in the program. We want to hear from them. We right. want, yeah. we want, we want to be accessible to them. Right. I even, I know I'm the, the, the preaching pastor, but I give my cell phone out to anybody that's at Redeemer. Um, and that doesn't mean that I pick up every time it rings, uh, because sometimes I'm having dinner with the family or, yeah. or I turn it off when I go to bed at night, except for those emergency numbers like Jimmy. Um, uh, or my parents. Those are basically the two emergency numbers that oh, well, can get through to me. It's not uh, kind of awkward. Pat's uh, right there. No, Pat's not on the emergency well, list. Well, Pat, not you're on my emergency list. Yeah, of course, because right. you can't trust me. No, no, no because, <laughs> like, yeah, 
Yeah, Pat and I are best friends. Yeah, I've I've, I've texted I've texted Joe at late at night and gotten no, no response until the, late the next day. Next so, week, yeah, yeah, yeah next probably week. When it happened. <laughs> so um, when we talk about pastoral care being important, um, this this relational investment in other people to help them grow spiritually and become more like Jesus, why do we value it the way that we do? Because that's what we're called to do. I mean, you, you look... Says who? <laughs> Says who? Uh, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. Yeah, oh, okay, might, okay, I guess okay. you might got me, you got me there. John 10. Oh, 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 oh yeah, all right. Well, you know. All right, well, tell us about John 10. So in John 10, it's the I'm the Good Shepherd pass, passage, and you know we're talking about as pastors and elders, we're called to be under shepherds. Right. Yeah. We've been called to a specific church at a specific time to care for these people, you know, and we're not taking the place of Jesus, but no. we're pointing people to him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I mean, I think of like Acts 20, 28, right? Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Yeah, that's so good. So yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a biblical concept. Yeah. It is what the word pastor actually means. It means to shepherd. It's based on a verb. Like it's, um, we are what we do as pastors. Yeah. So a lot of churches tend to view pastors as decision makers, um, you know, merely exercising oversight in an organizational manner. But we believe what, you know, brother Timothy Whitmer says in his book, The Shepherd Leader, which we're going to recommend later, um, that the fundamental calling of pastors, elders, for us, that's the same thing, pastors, yeah. elders, same thing, that uh, our primary responsibility is to shepherd the flock, yeah. right? Which, which includes various responsibilities, like feeding, leading, uh, protecting, you know, things like this uh, on that spiritual level. So shepherding the people is important, and by pastoral care, we are emphasizing that relational, family-oriented, a bit more individualistic care of people than they might get from the preaching ministry of the church. Absolutely, and I think that you know one thing to bear in mind as we're talking about these things is— like in Acts there, uh, in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as, as Pat was talking about earlier, like this is a call that God has for us. And so as as you are ministering, as you are a pastor, an elder, and an overseer, God has called you and placed you in a specific, uh, at a specific time and in a specific place to minister to God's people. And to those particular uh, people. To those particular people. So when it gets hard, and because I mean, I think sometimes it's hard, well, maybe this is just me and my sinful heart. It's like, it's hard to love people sometimes. Yeah, some people can be harder to love, and some churches are very difficult. Yeah. I mean, I was in a church where there were some mean, hateful, spiteful, not all of them. Some of them were great, but there were some, I mean, we have such easy people here comparatively. Yeah. I, I love our people. It is, yeah. But I, those I, are the people that God wants you to care for. Exactly, exactly. So God has placed you there and put you there for a specific time in a season. And, and Go ahead. Go ahead, oh. Pat. And as pastors, we're going to be held accountable for how we shepherd the people. Absolutely. You know? John 10 goes on to talk about, you know, the shepherd versus the hired hand, right? Mm, yeah, it's The good. hired hand has no ownership, has no stake in it, and therefore he has no care or compassion for the people. He's going to bail as soon as it gets hard. Um, you know, and as, as you were saying earlier about Whitmer's book, you know, one of those things, you know, the two big things that I walk away from that book with, you know, is we're called to protect, we're, we're called to protect the, the people, protect the sheep. Um, so when we say help, protect... Help them see the dangers that are out there, you know. 
Yeah, from false teaching, false teaching. from immorality, immorality ungodliness, okay. uh, spiritual attack, and, and even the danger that comes from themselves, right? Right. I mean, m- most of the, uh, maybe most, I think in my life, most of the trouble that I get into is of my own doing. The other- well, probably, yeah, because... It's your job. Yeah, I know. Scorpion. There is only one scorpion. Scorpion. I will sting myself. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. The other thing, though, Pat. The other thing that, that we have to do is, is correct. When, when people go astray, mm-hmm. you know, we can't just cut them loose and say, fine, you know, get out of here. Right. Or go ahead and leave. But we're called to walk with them and, and yeah. help restore them. Well, let, let's talk about that here in a little bit. Let's go deeper into that in just a minute. But for now, you know, we're, we're saying that pastoral care, that pastors should be involved in the lives of the people. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but that, you know, th- this whole idea of pastoral care seems to go wrong. It, it seems to not work out very well for different reasons. Right. Pat, yeah. Pat what are, what's one of the ways that in your estimation where pastoral care just goes haywire? I think when it neglects members, when there's not a system in place mm. that that contacts people on in and there are various ways to do that. We can talk about that later. But when people don't know that they have access to the to the elders or pastors or when we aren't taking the initiative to reach right. out to them. Right. Right. So, I like what he said there about about us taking the initiative is one, but then early or you said about not having systems in place. Right. So of course you like the systems. Well, of course you <laughs> like, I like systems. I like systems because it, because people can very easily fall through the cracks. Oh, yeah. As a church grows, it's harder to keep track of who's there, who's mm-hmm. not there. How are they connected? Are they reaching out? Are they part of a community group? Are they not, you know, like mm-hmm. how, how are they staying plugged into the life of the church and how are we as elders and as leaders uh, properly shepherding and pastoring right. and caring for them? So I think, you know, having systems in place is important and not yeah. developing a system is, I, I, from what I'm hearing from Pat, yes. is a form, unintentional as it may be, but it's, it's, it's a form of neglecting. Yeah. Neglect, I mean, listen, good intentions aren't going to shepherd your people. No. You can have the best intentions of the world. I, 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 can, I can speak for all the pastors that I know and I'm friends with. That means guys here and guys at other churches. Best intentions of the world doesn't mean that, uh, that they do it all right. Your intentions aren't going to take you very far. No. You, you've you've got to have things in place that are going to help you carry out those intentions and a system, which, and listen, Pat and I, we're not great at the systems. Um, we like other people to help us figure out this. And so Jimmy is really strong on the systems, uh, whereas we're, we're more wired for other issues, other things, other needs. Just got to get people to do the system. Well, and that, and that you know, helping, helping see the, having the system in place. Yeah. Once I know the system, I can work the system. Yeah. Exactly. So we're know, gonna, not in a negative way, but no, no, no. And I, I, but you're right, though. I, <laughs> but, but I need I'm not I need gaming help. the system. I'm not gaming the system. <laughs> <laughs> so on the one hand, Pat, you're talking about the neglect of members. There's no pastoral care, of course, when we are neglecting members. But I think on the other end of the spectrum, there's no pastoral care when even when it's under the guise of pastoral care, of members are being abused. So what do you mean by abused? Like, like well, I, I, I'm assuming you mean spiritual abuse, right? So what? Give us give us better context there. No context. You haven't given me context, right? <laughs> This is a running inside joke that Jimmy is now bringing into the podcast. No context. We've got 50 eat texts going back and forth, yelling at each other about, I don't know what you're talking about because there's no context for the statement you just made. Um, except when, when he says it to me, it's, he's just playing. Right, I say it to him, I'm serious. No, yeah, go ahead. No um, context. So yeah, I think that there are some churches, again, that oftentimes have good intentions that wind up 
oppressing and controlling, or at least attempting to, their church members. In, in other words, they are involved to too much of a degree in their lives, not just warning them that they are in sin and calling them to repentance or showing them a better way and mentoring and coaching and discipling them, but they are putting the screws to their thumbs when it comes to decisions that the pastors may not have any business being involved in. Um, so we have, there was a, in Presbyterian circles, there was a shepherding movement. I think it was actually called something like that, where that was more of a thing. But we also see it in, in non-confessional churches as well, and some pretty well-known churches that were known for having a leadership culture that was abusive towards its people, demeaning, yeah. belittling, uh, bullying. You know, if your pastor is a bully or a jerk, or if you, listener, are a bully or a jerk to your people, you're not caring for your people. You're sinning against God's people, and you're sinning against the Savior. So it is. So what's the difference, though, Joe, between someone being a bully and someone being direct? Because I, I can hear someone that oh, is in, sure. that, in that position saying, I'm just calling them out for their sin. They just don't like what they're hearing. Well, I think we can talk about what healthy pastoral care looks like, right, and that right. might help us to to kind of flesh this out a little bit. So let's do that. But I, on the front end, I would say that uh, a bully is less interested in understanding a person and in helping a person uh, grow and become better and become stronger. A bully is usually simply wanting to be right and wanting to control people and get people to fall in line. This is one of the general differences that I tend to see as it relates to it. But Pat, when, when we're talking about healthy pastoral care, right? Ideologically, not that we do these things perfectly at all, but but when we're talking about ideologically healthy pastoral care, if it's not neglect and it's not abuse, what does it look like? I think it starts with just knowing your people, right? You know, um, having a relationship with them, Mm -hmm. you know, outside of Sunday morning, Mm. um, you know, being available to, to hang out, being available to meet, you know, maybe not at the drop of a hat, sure. but, you know, being able to get together and, you know, hear, hear their story and hear where they're coming from. Yeah. Cause w- when you know those things, you're better able to pastor them. You're better mm-hmm. able to lead them. So if we're talking about, you know, knowing your people, or we can just call it awareness, right? Um, if you're going to have a knowledge of your people, you're going to need a system in place for that. Cause once you get over like 12 people, it's hard to get to know everybody. It's pretty hard. So that's when you need a system that's going to help you communicate with small group leaders and deacons and other people because maybe, like, for example, in, in our context, I might be talking to a couple in the church that the other elders and elder candidates are not talking to, so I report to them so that they then now know those people and what's going on in their lives. So I think that's a, I think that's a really good one, Pat, that we have to know the people. I mean, Jesus in mm-hmm. that passage, right? I know my sheep. Yeah, they right. hear my voice. There's this relationship there. I think that's really yeah, good. Yeah, a shepherd smells like sheep. Right. Because they're close. Get it? Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. Listen, do you understand it? I was going to go somewhere else, but I I guess. But I think along those same lines, I know we've touched on in the past, is the difference between uh, uh, what can be kept confidential Mm -hmm. in uh, what does confidentially look like in an elder room. Right. Right. So there are things that Joe discusses with other members, uh, people of the church, and he reports back, and everyone in the room knows about it. but then how is that different than like, how, how, how do you keep confidentiality? I think that people know that um, when, and I make it clear that they know when they're talking to me, they're talking to the elders. Yeah. Um, and so what you, what, 
when I hear about a situation, I always have to listen, um, I'm going to share this with the elders, but I won't be sharing it with anyone else. I won't be sharing it with my wife. In fact, I just had a conversation recently and I said, um, hey, listen, um, I'll report back to the elders and let them know what's going on because they love you and they want to pray for you. I said, and I won't, you know, I don't have to tell my wife. And they're like, no, that'd be great. You go ahead and tell your wife. They would like that. So um, usually they understand on the front end that we're not keeping secrets, but we're keeping things confidential. Yeah. And, and the circle of confidentiality for true pastoral care means it has to go beyond the scope of the one elder. And it's important because you want a team of men praying for, involved in, uh, contributing to this. But also there is a, a secondary issue. Whereas if you are meeting with someone and keeping that totally private and locked down, it doesn't provide a lot of accountability for you as a leader. So that's no bueno, right, Jimmy? Yeah, Pat, good job. Good job. What do you think? Um, one of the ways we've seen it work here is um, our community group leaders have brought us stuff. Oh, yeah. Where the person, for whatever reason, didn't think they could approach the elders, sure. but took it to their community group leader who did the same thing you just said. Hey, I'm going to share this with the elders. Yeah. And then we can reach out. So, you know, leadership development is kind of one of those areas yeah. that, you know, and that, I like that, that helps our the health of our pastoral care. I like when they go to their CG leaders uh, initially. Right. I, I think that's really good. And sometimes that's all that it needs. It only like we know about it. They deal with it. And that's great. Sometimes it needs to come to us. But I love that because that means that real community is being born they're, you know, those community leaders, those community group leaders, they're not pastors, but they do function in a shepherding yeah. kind of role. They're, they're doing a lot of soul care. Yeah, soul care big time. So I love that. So you got to know your people. Yeah. And if, if you know, it, we're going to get into this later, but if you don't know your pastor, there is there, if you don't have any relationship with the elders of your church, um, it could be your fault. Um, it could be their fault. It could just be the nature of the beast, meaning some churches are just simply... Too big don't allow for it. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, all right. One of the things that, that I think about when I think about healthy pastoral care is um, knowledge. Obviously, I think that's that, that's something to start obviously, with. Yeah. Um, but then love. And we, we talk about this a lot, that pastors should actually care about the yes. people. Jimmy, like you said, they're not giving units. Um, they're not heads to be counted in the sanctuary on Sunday morning. Those are people that God has brought into our lives, uh, to be under our care, for us to know and pray for and serve. And people can know, I think people can tell if a leader actually cares for them, um, is compassionate toward them, is invested in them versus a guy that says, oh, well, okay, I, I guess I got to deal with you because you're coming, you're coming mm -hmm. to my church. I think love is really big. And I think that uh, that's where the abusive pastors, you know, the mm -hmm. abusive members... I think they're just worried about growing a big church mm -hmm. and not really caring for the people that are there. Mm -hmm. And it's easy, right? I mean, everybody wants their church to grow and be healthy and vibrant and to increase in numbers so that we can reach more people and send out more people and all of that. But uh, it's easy to get distracted, you know, and to become more about one thing than the other. And if you become more about the numbers and the growth of your church than you are the care of your people, there's definitely a problem. Jimmy, what comes to your mind when you think of healthy pastoral care? Uh, I mean, I think uh, <clears throat> there needs to be communication. No, of course. Here we go. What? <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, communicate. No. There, there, yeah, there explain, needs to be communication. Okay, what, you what mean. I'm talking about, like, there's very, you know, various forms of it. Like, you could be church-wide communication. So things such as, you know, uh, when the elders, like, here's one of the things I always appreciate about the, the elders here at Redeemer, is what's discussed in the elder room, while it is confidential, when it pertains to the life of the church and, and the direction of the church, 
they will communicate what they're thinking and what's going on for months in advance. I mean, <clears throat> I've been I've been in churches where uh, the the elders have been accused of moving too fast. I've never been in a church like this where it's been <laughs> accused of moving too yeah, slow. Step it up, son. Yeah. <laughs> where like if there's an issue going on or there's something, you know, something that they're working through, they'll take a good year and update the church, every church members meeting and and sometimes during uh, on a on a Sunday morning and just say, "Hey, FYI, that one thing, we're still kind of dealing with it. We're still right. working it through." We didn't have a church name for 2 years. We didn't have a church name for like two years. It was just, guys were it was just church. Church. And then <laughs> two years later, we're like Redeemer Fellowship. Redeemer Fellowship. <laughs> so, I mean, it takes a while, which is good. But the church, the leadership has to communicate what's going That's on good. and not blindside people. And so it could be at the, the members meetings. It could be in an e-blast. It could be on a Sunday morning. Uh, but then then also just personally making sure that when, when we do know that there's issues going on in people's life, to be reaching out continually you know, one-on-one or, or as an elders, uh, as the elder board does to sit down and discuss and say, Hey, I just want to know how it's going. Yeah. We love you. We care for you. We just want to see how you're doing right now. What are some ways that people that, that pastors can reach out to their people to communicate with them? Um, on that level, Jimmy, what are some, some, just some common, like easy. Oh yeah. I mean, Facebook stalk, right? Like if you go on <laughs> Facebook, you can see maybe where they're at and show up at the coffee shop and say, well, you at know, the bar, they're getting drunk at in. the bar. <laughs> but no, I mean, you can reach out whether it's by text or email or phone, um, uh, handwritten or, letter, handwritten. Yeah. Handwritten letter. I, I've never actually done that. I'll be honest. That's a good one. That's a good one though. Yeah, and like I found that. that that's well received. Oh, people oh, are like, I'm dang, sure. dang. He took the time. I don't, yeah, I haven't done that. I have Deb write him for me. I just signed my name. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in any way, like just making sure you're reaching out personally, yeah. uh, just to see how things are. Phone call. Phone call. Man, you know, in Whitmer, I think Whitmer talks about it in an interview, the guy that wrote Shepherd Leader. I don't know if it's in the book or in an interview, but he was saying how they did a survey of a bunch of people in his denomination. I think it was his denomination. But the point is, is that they asked the people, when do the pastors call? And there were two reasons given, always two reasons. One, there's trouble. Two, they want money. Those were the two reasons they were being contacted or communicated with. And that and stinks. Widmer was horrified. He's like, oh, no, this is not the way it's supposed to be. No. This is why he wrote the book Shepherd Leader, which everybody should get. I think, yeah, communication is really good. Um, and then also I think that when we're talking about healthy pastoral care, one of the things that we really focus on, and Pat, you mentioned this a little while ago, is coming alongside people to help yeah. them. Pastoral care is is help. It's assistance. It's it's not just telling them that they're wrong. It's not just um, knowing about an issue and doing nothing. It's about getting involved and doing something, right? Yeah, and it 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 shows them, you know, that that when we say we we love you, we really mean it, right? Because we you back know. it up with some money. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes that's needed. Sometimes we. I love the benevolence ministry yeah. here because you know it's a very robust ministry. Um, people contribute to it. We set money aside for it in the budget, and um, and it and it, it's it really is great to know. Well, we have some resources so that when somebody is in need, we can help them in that way. But it's not just finances, right? No. There's a lot of ways. No, it's counsel. It's um, sometimes people need help moving something from yeah. one spot to another exactly. and, and we get people over there to do it. A lot of pastors wind up going to court. Um, I've been in court uh, situations with, with church members. Um, and yeah, depending on the, on the makeup of your body, you might have more or less of that. 
there's all kinds of ways that pastors wind up caring for the people that go beyond um, praying for them. Praying for them is one of the most important things that you can do. But like James says, if you're all talk and you don't back it up with anything, yeah. then you're just a poser and a fake and you should get out of the business of being a pastor. What else? What else does healthy pastoral care look like? Um, it Sometimes it does look like correction. It does mm. look like discipline. Mm. And, you know, you can't walk into that without having a relationship it's it's not going to work <laughs> right no no no, no that's you a know, really good point Pat. and that and that's why what happened what happens when you what happens when you try to exercise discipline on somebody that you have never talked to before mm. yeah it's not gonna work. <laughs> what might they say to you pat uh yeah i can't say <laughs> what they say might that. say <laughs> we actually haven't had that problem because we work really hard at, at, getting, to know at, at getting to getting to know people um that's 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 such a good word the idea that we would be um, knowing the people well enough to actually have an opportunity to bring them under church discipline, yeah. which sounds to a lot of people like a really scary thing. And we've talked about church discipline in yeah. the past, but can you give just a really brief what we're talking about when we, right. when we say that? So when we're talking about church discipline, most of the time we're talking about corrective discipline. This is when a person has has persisted in sin, some serious sin, um, and they need to be you know, called on it. They need to be corrected. Um, something needs to happen. And so, um, what happens is, is, is one of the pastors will typically go and talk to that person and to say, Hey, I see that you're in trouble. Um, and I want, we want to help pastors want to help you. We love you. We care for you. And by and large, the response is, okay, help me. Like, let's, let's get this right. Sometimes they confess to us and then, um, they, and we don't catch them. Uh, we've never caught anybody. I don't think, I don't, it's no, not I that thing. Think, yeah. but, but sometimes like, you know, a family member will catch somebody doing something really bad and then they'll call us. But most of the time people say they confess, they go, Hey, here's the trouble. Here's the problem. Uh, you know, can, can you help me? So I think that, uh, what it really looks like to kind of build on what you said earlier, coming alongside the way I like to think about it is when a person is in trouble when a person is um, in sin, we come alongside them, not to wag a finger, but to put our arm underneath them and to pick them up and to help them get back on track with, um, mm. you know, uh, believing the gospel, trusting God, obeying God, and uh, and getting all the help that they need. Sometimes it means, uh, you know, a, a, a recovery center of some sort. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it means that... Um, a harder word because they're still not repentant, but they know that things are kind of off. Um, but in, in general correction and discipline, the way we say it here, it must be practiced with grace. Yeah. Um, if you're just shunning and condemning and being hard, I mean, that's not how God, the father deals with us as his children. No, he's patient, wise and gracious towards us. And so we need to be that way towards others. So real pastoral care. Let's just, let me put it this way. If you are a church or you are a leadership, if you're a pastor and you're like, oh, we were big on pastoral care, awareness, love, communication, and assistance, but you don't practice discipline, then you don't actually care about your people. Oh, yeah. Because if they're in trouble, it's your responsibility to rescue them, to turn them away from that and to get them on the right path again. And on the flip side of that, though, if you're a church that, that excels at correction and discipline, but are not aware, loving, communicating, or assisting your people, it's abuse. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. Yeah, all of them have to be in play. That's right. In order for it to be true pastoral care. Yeah, but pastors can be... All right, some pastors are just weird. Some pastors yeah. are awkward. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, no, don't raise your hand. Oh, yeah, come on now, Pat. Maybe uh, yes. We... 
<laughs> game is- I saw, I made it awkward. <laughs> Pat and I and Jimmy and Brian and Jeff and Rob, we um, we we want to be the kind of pastors where um, people aren't afraid or intimidated. Yeah. And sometimes the office itself, that of pastor, is inherently intimidating to people. They already feel like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know. And then sometimes your persona can push people away, right? You got the RBF going. You know, you're, uh, you got that face that tells people stay away. The resting Baptist the face. The resting yeah, Baptist gotcha, face, yes, gotcha. yes. I wasn't referring to anything else, people, except I was. Um, <laughs> you've got that resting Baptist face on. You've, you, you give off this vibe that people can't approach you. Um, and, the, and if you're a preacher, listen, they hear you. They listen to you preach the talk every Sunday. You're communicating something about yourself. So critical for pastors who are going to be working hard to care for the people, there have to be a few things that are true about them. We've talked about this a lot, Pat, right? Um, What must be true of pastors if Mm. they're going to be good at pastoral care? I think the biggest thing for me is to be available. I need to plan my day and my week with enough white space in it for when people call. Yeah. Is Is there a reason you call it white space, Pat? On my calendar. Yeah, yeah. Like, but you call it white space. Yeah, it's called white space. Yeah, because nothing scheduled it, there in yeah. that time. Because it's the calendar is still white. Why is it so white? If I just feel like it's a little. Mm, I think you're trying to make it a race. No, it's a little prejudice. Yeah, it's a little prejudicial. I'm not making to, it. Uh, Pat tried, made it. Pat no, made it weird not. by saying it's no, white. No, he did not. You made it weird by saying space for white people. No, this is the white space. Well, look at the demographic of our church. Okay, so I guess Travel doesn't get any time. That's why I got no pastoral care. Okay. So for the listeners of Doctrine and Devotion, <laughs> welcome to my world. Oh, geez. And we're like so easy and chill. On I know. Doctrine we're actually chill on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. So availability means that, you know, we have to have a schedule that is flexible enough yeah. that allows us to be interrupted by people. Yeah. Right. And I, I mean, Pat, I'd like to ask you this question because you, you excel at this. You make yourself available and not just during the day, but I see you here often at night meeting with people. So how do you balance being available to the members of the church and yet still being present for your family. Cause I think that's actually an important aspect yeah, of this for sure. Cause sometimes we can really, we can go one side or the other. Listen, I'm done at five. I'm off the clock. Leave me alone. And then others that are never off the clock to the detriment of their family. How have and you, little Tommy's like, who's my dad? Why you saying <laughs> my dad's Tommy? Cause his yeah, son's, his name, son's Tommy. name is Tommy. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Tommy has never said that. No, <laughs> you are a great father and a great husband. Yeah, <laughs> but we will need to discuss this after in the elder meeting. That's fine. Uh, I'm, so I'm, how, how do you balance those things? No, like right now we're getting ready for our next members meeting. So a lot of um, people who are joining or wanting to join need to get their elder interview in. I'm oh, doing. They're waiting to the last minute again, aren't they? They are hey, waiting to the last minute. <laughs> Stop that. So, you know, in that time, like family knows I'm, I'm going to be out later. I'm going to, you know. Mm-hmm. And I make up for it during the other times. Right. So there's seasons th- where there, you're th- busier. There's a balance, yeah, and it's seasonal. It's not. It's not constant. Yeah. Also, Pat, you have an awesome, strong, godly wife who will tell you what's up. Oh yeah, right. Like, yeah, she's not afraid Cheryl, to say. Cheryl tells all of us what's up. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl will she's tell put you. us all in our place. <laughs> Cheryl is is gracious and hospitable, but she's a strong woman and a strong woman. And so it's like I know that she would say, "Hey, you aren't present, mm-hmm. so get your act together." She would say that. Oh yeah, she'll problem. come in like a hurricane and just break it all up. <laughs> All right, that was another inside joke. I'm sorry. Let me apologize to our listeners. <laughs> Jimmy's dropping inside jokes that only Pat and I can appreciate. I, I well, you apologize. know what? It's only for you and Pat and Cheryl. 
who I'm not sure has ever listened. No, she doesn't listen to us. She can't stand the banter. Yeah, she can't handle it. So you got to be available, and we also talk about being approachable. Yes. Right? So why does approachability matter, Jimmy? Like, what is approachability? I think approachability is is uh, one thing is is making yourself available, like you said, but then not. Um, I, I think how do you word it? Like when people do come up to you, how you present yourself is important. If you look annoyed, how you receive them, how you receive them. If you look annoyed, distracted, uh, not focused, it, it conveys something to mm-hmm. somebody to to a member. That they they are not important to you, right? And so they should not approach you about anything, right? So I think that's I think how you present yourself, and I think that also means then how you present yourself on a Sunday morning, right? Uh, in in our preaching and and you know greeting people beforehand or or saying hello to people afterwards, yeah. Um, making sure that you are are down to earth, I think is important. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I've, I've actually heard this quite often from people that when they they. I'm just I'm thinking of people in my neighborhood that would look at they'd say, well, hold on, you know, you guys are are Southern Baptist. Uh oh, uh oh, check that box, you know. But then they're like, but you guys are so approachable. Like people yeah. have asked me about our church, you know, they're like, you guys are approachable. You're you're honest. You're real. Like you don't fake it. You as you're smoking you, a cigar and pouring a glass of bourbon, as you bourbon with them, <laughs> <laughs> and watching Fight Night late into the <laughs> late into the evening. But I mean, people just want to like because that's what they want. They want if they have this. If you present yourself as holier than thou, if yeah. you present yourself as Mister Know It All, right. then people don't feel safe. Yeah, uh, because they feel ashamed. They totally. feel ashamed of their sin. But that's only because they don't see your sin as man. Readily. My my perception of pastors when I was converted, I. I really, I mean, pretty, pretty quick. I wanted to be a pastor um, because I wanted to tell people about Jesus and I wanted to know Jesus and I wanted to help people know Jesus. But I was told by a few people that my past was too messed up and I couldn't be a pastor. And that really stuck with me. And so I went to trade school. I started doing something else and didn't, didn't even look at uh, and applying to Moody. And I saw pastors as these super holy dudes, yeah. like, like totally different from the rest of us. And I knew like, well, I can't be that. That I even know now that that's not, that could never be me. Um, and it wasn't until, um, I, I pe- other people began to speak into my life and say, no, you should pursue this. And then I got to know a few pastors up close and it turns out they're like me. Yeah. They're like, they're a regular Christian, a regular person. They sin, they get in trouble. I saw one pastor get in trouble with his wife one time for roughhousing in, in the living room with his son and knocking over furniture. And, uh, she scolded him and it was hysterical and like, like really eye opening for him. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a dummy just like me. There's nobody perfect. No. So I, yeah. I think what you're saying about approachability, Jimmy, and and how you receive people and what you tell people, other people about yourself is really good. And I think with approachability, you know, approachability is going to look different on Sunday mornings than yeah. it does no, you're right. throughout you're right. the week. I mean, as pastors, Joe, I know you're busy. I'm I'm busy running around making sure. Yeah that teachers and supplies and stuff are in place in our children's ministry. And so it's going to look busy and the conversation is probably going to be shorter on Sunday than during the week. But, but I don't think people should read into that and say, Oh, they're not approachable. Yeah. And that's going to be compensated. I think by the way, we're communicating outside of that context, the other things that we're doing. But you know, I'm also thinking there, there are some individuals that I, I think we know of that have bragged about having a special doorway from yeah. their office to the pulpit yeah. so that they don't have to see anybody. Right. You know, in between. Yeah. I think that's Yeah, that right. was James McDonald. No, that was... Don't, don't, oh, you're going to bleep don't. that? Did no, you I'm just not. bleep that? 
I might have to now. <laughs> I love giving you more work to do. I know, post. thank you, Mark. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but I mean, that's yeah. that's really what I'm referring to is that if you're not willing to to talk and say hi, you're right. People are busy. I know Joe after first service, you know, needs to come in into this office and pray and read over his notes. Mostly, and- to be honest, mostly I'm hiding because I feel like my last sermon sucked. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to get out of here. It's embarrassing. <laughs> and I was like, I'll just get a duck out. And no, I Joe, sit. it's not bad. Yeah, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe you when you say that. See, I attend first service most times. Oh, so you, so you, you get you, it. So you don't know how oh, you So I don't know how good second you service get, is, evidently. You get a face full of average <laughs> is what you get. Um, I think, you know, I think approachability also, um, like... This whole idea of just being a regular person, a conversationalist, um, a guy that doesn't always have to talk about X, Y, and Z, but you can adapt to different situations. Uh, pastors need to be good there, and I think that um, that that goes a long way. Availability, approachability. We we believe that these are critical for pastors. Yeah. Um, all right. So one of the things that we really value at Redeemer um, is small church. We like small church. Mm. Uh, we don't, we're not a big fan of, of mega church. Now we don't think mega church is sinful or wrong or anything like that. Uh, we just prefer, we favor smaller churches and smaller churches. We're not even putting a, a real number on it, except I will. Um, I don't really <laughs> like uh, once you get, once you hit 500 for sure, I think it gets a lot more complicated. Um, but it's complicated at a hundred. Well, it, it gets increasingly complicated. Yeah. Yes. But, um, so things change, but I, I, it's in our experience, we're, like 270s the last couple of weeks. We're between 250 and 270 on average, I think. That's fair. Um, On a Sunday, if you count the babies, we count the babies, even though we're not Presbyterian. Um, So we half count it. Uh, I I think that we, you know, we can exercise pastoral care with a pastoral team of elders who function together in parity. And I think you can do that up to 300, maybe 400. But then after that, I think it gets really difficult to maintain yeah. the availability, the approachability, and the ongoing pastoral care without an elder board that is so big, it really becomes uh, sort of uh, decentralized and there's not a lot of... Um, a lot, not a lot of unity and cooperation. I think it's harder for unity and cooperation and communication among the elder board once you get too big. It gets exponentially bigger once you get, you know, over that 500. Yeah. Cause, yeah, I think cause, so. Because how do you, like, when we break up our membership role to be praying for them and be contacting them, yeah. you know, how do you do that when you have a church of, you know, a thousand people? Yeah. Well, I, That's all you're going to do. That's when you hire a pastor of prayer. And that his job is to pray for everybody, so you don't have to. <laughs> now you can you can do that on the big staff. Yeah, but for us, we that's just not feasible. All right, Pat, give us some recommended yes, readings. People go. people are listening, and they're so glad that you're on here. Uh, they want to know what you think. What books should I be reading uh, to to move in this direction of being a good shepherd and exercising good pastoral care with the people? Well, you've mentioned Whitmer's book, The Shepherd Leader. We so make everybody read that. We, book. we do. We we make all of our guys read that. Um, Another one is Side by Side with by Ed Welch. Um, we took our, our pastoral development guys through that. That was one of the first books we read with them. Um, and then Being There by Dave Furman is another one. Furman! J- just teaching us how to be present with yeah. people. The Furmans are awesome. Dave and Gloria, they're legit. Mm-hmm. They're Too legit to quit. They are too legit. Too legit to quit. Uh, hey, uh. hey. <laughs> 
those are those are good recommendations. I'm going to throw in there Richard Baxter, a reformed pastor. Yep. Um, it puts it, it'll give you like to definitely pick up Pat's recommendations. Okay, and I would say if you're only going to get one, get Shepherd Leader, but that's me. Um, get these three by Pat, but then also to go kind of in another direction with this and to get into a historical context, read Richard and Baxter. You feel horrible about yourself on the front end. You will feel like first you're not a Christian. Yeah, and then then once you figure out you are a Christian, you're going to feel like you're definitely not called to ministry. And then you'll feel like, I am called to ministry, but I'm terrible at it. And then you'll begin to get through it and feel better about what God's doing in and through you. But read Richard Baxter because he's all about um, discipleship, communication, mm-hmm. uh, mentoring, being with people, visitation, and how to talk to people about the gospel and where they're at spiritually. It's a really, really good book. So, Pat, you know, if people want to follow up with you and they want to talk to you, where can they find you online? Uh, Are you on, on the Twitter? Are, I am on the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter? Rarely, but I'm on the Twitter. <laughs> Both Twitter and Instagram is at Pat Aldridge. Ooh, you got the name. Mm, good Jimmy, job. Jimmy, do you got you have Stop a name? Stop it. <laughs> what happened, Jimmy? Stop it. You don't have Jimmy Fowler? No. It's, it's like J Fowl six underscore seven or something. It's, awful. <laughs> it's, not it's not the that. worst it's one. None of that. All right, so you're Pat, at Pat Aldridge. Yeah. Yeah. That's and really then good. I'm on Facebook as well. So All right, Facebook is Pat Aldridge. Yeah. Slash Pat Aldridge. Slash, yeah. Oh, that's pretty good. That's you got that, good. Jimmy? Now, well, what about your website? Oh, uh, I blog at uh, patalders.com. Oh, you got the, there you go. You got the name on it. How about you, Jimmy? You got the... I got jimmyfowler.net. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I also blog at gospelcenterfamily.com. Gospel Center. Gotcha. They should go there because that's not just you. That's a couple of your buddies, too, yeah. that are also in this kind of ministry context. Right. That's really Perfect. good Well, stuff, you can man. follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine Devotion. You can head to the website, DrVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can sign up for our email blast or you can hit up the store, grab the Reformation 500T. Oh, they're going. they're available. They're going. At this point, I'm not this, sure they're going to be available. The week that we're recording this, we've sold a ton of those yeah, shirts. There's man. been a lot. Our phone won't stop going. So uh, if there's any, grab them while you can. Uh, hit up the the conference, the 2018 Doctrine of Ocean Conference on the Spirit and the Church. Travell's going to be there. Doug, I'm going to be there. Logan. Yeah, but Pastor Tra- Pat's going to be there. But Travell's single. Oh, well, yeah. Travell is the bait for all the single ladies. Um, all the single ladies. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you at this point. Fresh Pot, everybody. If Thursday, you want to, you better put a ring on. Wednesdays. It's Beyonce. <laughs> you know Video Beyonce. Content, Friday. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs>